Hey, welcome back to the CT Small Business Podcast. You know me already. I'm your host, Chris. Here on the CT Small Business Presents Podcast, we get to know Connecticut-based small business owners, and we get to learn about them and their business. If you like the podcast, rate it, share it, review it on whatever platform you're on. Let's get into the episode. Exactly. Okay, and we're uh, live again. Lou, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on your show today. Good, good. Of course, I got Lou as my co-host from uh, Royal Fox Studio. And today, we actually have Jordan from, uh, I was going to butcher the name, the, Mom, the Mamba Boxing Club. That's correct. What's up, Jordan? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. I know it was uh, quite the long distance from Milford. Nah, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> so how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. Yeah. Now, uh, oh, the first thing I typically ask is, uh, what's the Mamba Boxing Club? What's the, what's that about? So, uh, it gets its name. A lot of people think it's like Kobe Bryant related, mm, but yeah. it's actually related to Roger Mayweather, who died uh, about two years ago. Okay. Um, or maybe we're hopping on three now, but hasn't been that long. Um, so you named the company after after his. So that was his nickname with along with another nickname known as the Mexican assassin. Okay. Um, and he used to come in to fights with a sombrero on his head. Oh, wow. And fight Mexican fighters. Um, he had some, like, really legendary fights. Like, we're talking about back when they did, like, 15 rounds outside and, like, over 100 degrees. Oh, and wow. You know, the guy, he's yeah. a monster, like, the stories. But, um, yeah, so the club is dedicated to him because i think that obviously everyone knows who his nephew is mm -hmm. you know what i mean but a lot of people have forgotten that you know he's the godfather kind of of a new form of training uh i shouldn't even call it a new form but a style that isn't as widely known which is the midwestern style of uh boxing which is different from you know slip and slide style from oh. more like texas or uh peekaboo style like you know mike tyson to be in sure you know yeah. so. see I, I had no clue there were such different styles in boxing and like i, I never i didn't really when you know when i know about boxing is like you said mike tyson right uh floyd mayweather sure and besides that i didn't know i didn't know there was such a difference in styles we're gonna have to dive in i'm really yeah. curious actually yeah. yeah so and uh how how did you get into boxing yourself that's a great question so growing up I actually I saw live on TV along with O.J. Simpson because okay. my, my father wouldn't hide anything from me, right? <laughs> um, also saw the fight where Mike Tyson bites. Uh, you saw that as a kid? Yeah. Oh, my oh, yes. and, and I just remember my father being like, I can't believe you did that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was exposed to sports and a lot of things. And mm. uh, acting was... Uh, something that was always a performing art that I was always interested in getting into right. along with other things growing up. And I think, uh, acting kind of segued into my, um, desire to learn boxing, which came from a deep desire of martial arts early on in my, as early as I could remember, I always wanted to know how to use my hands and feet and combat and, Boxing seemed like, um, as I got older, the more authentic thing to learn when you live in America and you haven't 
used kicks your whole life. Right. So, okay, you could find an authentic teacher here. Okay. And uh, mm. it was easier and it was more accessible. So I got into it. How'd you come across uh, uh, Mayweather's? That's a great question. That's an even better question. Okay. So being an amateur, there is a family um, known as the Phillips who have a half Mexican and kind of half English, but New Yorker bloodline. Hmm. And his name is Elvis Grant Phillips. And he is the owner of the company known as Grant Boxing. That and sounds very familiar, yeah, actually. Yeah, Floyd um, repped all their stuff throughout his career. Okay. Uh, he calls them the Versace of boxing, which oh. is true. Um, and he was uh, grateful enough to, or n kind enough, not grateful. What am I talking? I'm grateful <laughs> enough. Uh, kind enough to meet me as an amateur one day and he has a son that he you know had, had as his right hand man who he's kind of grooming to know the company and take it over and stuff like that um and we hit it off and through my amateur career things kind of plateaued here in connecticut because new york's not the same there's pol political issues within the organizations that we call the LBC, which stands for local boxing committees mm. um, between states. And it, you know, boxing has really deteriorated over the years. That's why I find this such fertile ground to do what I'm doing. And big businesses don't want to open up in Connecticut because of taxes and stuff like that. So, right. you know, I'm not, boxing isn't supposed to be a big business. Right. And, exactly. you know, I, I, you know, I was operating out of my passion, basically out of a garage. I, you know, when I was an amateur, my parents were nice enough to let me put a boxing studio in my room because it occurred to me at a point, like, you know what, being my age, I have two choices right now. I could go join the military because I needed to change something in my life. Like back when I decided to do this Yeah. or, uh, I could like really like live this sh shit you know yeah. because martial artists like they don't go home from the dojo and then they're done exactly you know right. what i mean like they're thinking about it visualizing all the time visualization mm -hmm. is such an important thing in life so um would you say it's about like growth and self-mastery yeah and you take that home with you yeah i had to for me because I'm into film, because I'm into books, because I'm into games, because I'm into anything that's like a, an art form or I like to really get cerebral with everything. Yeah. Which is great for me as a coach, but you know, we could talk about that later, but I think that what really needed to happen is I needed to do the same with boxing to really learn it. I, I needed see. to take away all my distractions fully immerse yourself. and just fully immerse myself and have it all around me. So it's like, Oh, I had a speed bag. I had a double end bag. I had a heavy bag and I never saw myself as becoming a coach, which is, which is another, another story. That's probably the best coaches come up, come out like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Um, you know, the there's most no, humble, the most humble teachers. I bet. Maybe, you know, I, I, 
I hate to call myself anything that's like, oh yeah, I'm a humble, modest yeah, dude, yeah. you know. But so I'll call you that instead. You don't, yeah, have, to, well, you don't have to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> I always say it's not for me to say, you know. Right. But thank you, and uh, you know, I try to. I try to be. Uh, it's on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Now, uh, now, were you into martial arts before the bo- the boxing? Yeah. So, like, that's another thing. My dad got me into performing arts, and he's like the most white collar businessman you've ever met. My mom's an artist. Okay. Um, but there's something in him about entertainment and it's deep, it's real deep. And that's how we communicated. So, uh, cause my parents got divorced really early on. Mm -hmm. So my dad would communicate with me this way and, uh, he would show me things like Quentin Tarantino and Terminator, like really early on. And with that came Kung Fu movies and Steven Seagal, Van oh, Damme, yeah. and you know, I had a I had a stepbrother uh, from my mom's other marriage, and a man that I lived with for nine years in Long Island when I was a kid. And uh, me and Robbie would uh, would kind of get together and go to Vermont, and he would come up every other weekend. We'd watch Steven Seagal and Van Damme. It was like both our favorite thing. Oh yeah. And uh, Robbie was like this musclehead dude that. Uh, was a soccer player out of all things and he actually played he got into the uh olymp uh junior olympics to play for team usa uh right from middle school into high school and uh you know it's he was like he was like an insane athlete doing everything wrong like like pushing himself wise now like science would say like for soccer players you wouldn't want to lift heavy weights and stuff like that sure but this you know he was and he was the best one on the team every time while training his body to the most max you know what i mean really pushing himself. really pushing himself but i think he also had like a hidden desire like why did I get into soccer instead of martial arts, you know, kind okay. of thing. There's that, you know, and we don't, unfortunately I haven't spoke to him or, uh, that, uh, that stepfather I had for, I don't know, 15 years it's been a while. Yeah. Oh, longer. Yeah. I wonder longer what Robbie, now. I wonder what Robbie's up to now. I do too. I do too. Like, I really, yeah. uh, I'm interested to know what yeah. Robbie's like today. Yeah. And, and, uh, he has a sister who I heard is a, a, a administrator of a hospital in uh, hmm. Long Island. So, Very nice. you know, they, I think they did well with their lives. Hopefully, I, yeah, I'm, me and my mother always ask that. They're like, I wonder what they're up to, you know? But yeah, stuff happened. They're not between, down here, yeah. Well, yeah, stuff happened between him and my mom, uh, you know, with court and stuff like that. That kind of separated the family. And you always look back at these things and realize life is short. And you know, it's true. People have regrets, and you know, I do wish things went differently. And yeah, that that stepfather I had is probably like. He's probably in his 80s now. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a lot older. My dad's 75. Yeah. Okay. So he's pretty old himself for a father of a 34-year-old. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like my father. I'm 40, but he's he's 80. Not but, but like it's a little bit older. I got siblings that are 15 there years old. There you go. So that's the know? same difference. Yeah. Same exact difference. And you look young. So, you look extremely young. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. A lot. I get like uh, early 30s okay. for the most part. Like I used to get like mid-20s to early 30s. Now it's early 30s yeah so but you know i don't know what the hell i do i just live yeah genetics yeah but you don't look like you're 34 you look i thought you were younger yeah i don't know i got all the grays and (laughs) you could see the wear on me you know Uh there's some wear on me but yeah it's all good you know yeah but something like the way you come off it seems like when you you come off as 
when you have your mindset to something, you're definitely doing it. Yeah. Like it's like that or nothing. Yeah, I'm a zero to a hundred guy. Yeah, I've always been. When I said I was gonna, you know, do something, I I usually because I have that inner voice that doesn't really want to. I have this thing that it it's like Teddy Teddy Atlas says it great. Uh, I don't know who you guys listen to, but like another really good one is David Goggins. Oh, I know David. Goggins. Oh yeah, I read he, all of his books. Okay, mm-hmm. that, I'll have to check it out. I never I honestly you never would love him too, man. Yeah. Uh, especially anyone who podcasts because this guy does it like all the time. But you know they say Teddy Atlas said like about Mike Tyson like if you do weak things in your life or you quit. It's not going to affect the people that you think it's going to affect because you shouldn't even care what other people think. Right. But it's going to affect you in your deepest moments because mm. it's going to keep, oh, I quit, so I'm going to quit this time. You know, right. that's, that's how life works, right? Yeah. You I remember just, you mentioned when, when we were chatting before we started the show, you said you're a runner. Right. And I know that, like, chemically, biologically, if you stop running at a certain point, let's just say you're running a mile and you stop at a quarter mile, like half a mile, Next time you go running at a half mile, your body's conditioned to quit. Yeah. And the same thing happens when you create like uh, classical conditioning and your mind body connection, you're used to quitting. You're talking to a guy that's done it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've literally uh, been on runs where I'm like, oh man, I can't, you know, this hurts and it gets to me and I do quit. And then, and then I come back the next time stronger and, you you know it's something that you're always working out with yourself but first and foremost especially as you age you got to be honest with yourself right so if you have these moments of remembering when you quit that's going to become what you do and and it's like how could you be expected to be strong Hmm. when you know in your heart of hearts that you do weak things exactly you know and that's you know that's Hmm. that's the thing so i think that for me i've learned that at this point, you know, I could confidently say that I walk much more secure within my, you know, shoes. And yeah. I think that happens to people as you get older, too. I think so. Yeah. yeah the experience of going through trials and tribulations and overcoming them and figuring out what your limitations and boundaries are and, and pushing through those plateaus. And then what you get at the end of it is so rewarding that you could never get any other way from achieving it from hard work and dedication. Right. And that's what that high drives you, right? You, I, yeah, I would on. say that was probably what makes you a great coach because it's you won't you won't allow them to quit. Well, it's just like not allow them to quit, but like it's like you give them a good expectation. If you if you last, if you make it, you'll succeed amazingly. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that good good great coaching comes from a lot of different things, and I think mentality is a big part of it. And you know. Um, again, not for me to say, but I do put a lot of effort into, you know, what I do and that's because I can't do it any other way. Well, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that your gym, the Mamba Boxing Club is less of a gym per se, but more of a club. And that club is designed for a lifestyle and lifestyle changes. So it all ties into what we're saying about creating patterns of behavior that are healthy, that stay with you for the rest of your life. It's not just a subscription, like you're saying. You just show up, you leave. It's it's a lot more than that. So, touching base on that, like I actually look down upon even myself when I make the mistake of saying, "Oh yeah, the gym, the gym, the gym." It's a club, right? And um, I got 
you know, I got that thought through other designated clubs, so-called, that are in other things. And these types of clubs, if we're talking about maybe the motorcycle world, yeah, um, those guys are so serious about everything they do, uh, or they're at least supposed to be. Sure. Um, you know, but times change, right? Mm -hmm. But um, in, in terms of that, that world, they earn the right to call themselves part of that club on a daily basis. Right. So something I like to explain to our members is, first of all, like, I, you know, I break down the price point because um, we're about $5 a day, a okay. cup of coffee. There but you you're paying it monthly. Mm -hmm. That's to be part of the club. Is that enough? It depends on what your goals are. You know, and then we go from there. So um, I try to explain if you're not willing to earn it by s sacrificing $5 a day, uh, then we just know right there yeah, that that's that right. So I think that in terms of the club mentality is we cap at 75 people. I see. We care about those 75 people. I don't like to bother anybody, but I will text people. I will care about people as if they're my personal client right. um, because they are part of something bigger than themselves. Um, it's a community where everyone is exchanging numbers, and if they're not doing it naturally, they're being forced to, and if they don't like that dynamic, they can leave. Yeah. Um, well, it's a community. Yeah, but, right. it, but it's very much so a, a forced community with a hierarchy, mm. and, and I like to make that you know known to people when they join because – if that doesn't sound like it's your, you guess what? You might not be ready to make a change in your life. Yeah. Some people think they're ready. You know, we've had, we've had all types of people. I believe it. You know, and, and I think combat gyms bring on all types of people. Um, and that's why another thing that we do with our club that places in Vegas do and why we're Vegas style. We're also California style. We're anywhere that has real deal boxing style yeah which is black out the gym lock the doors appointment only mm. celebrities go to these types of places for this reason um do they have a member cap at the other places i don't know do they run a subscription sure. i don't know there's things that i do that are you know without giving too much business model away but there are things that i do that are unique to what i'm doing yeah and uh it's not something that you know some real estate uh investor because that's usually who owns the big box gyms could just say oh you know look at what this guy's doing we could totally do this no you can't well you're creating a culture and, right and they can't and they're not doing that right and, and they and you know the very essence of a culture is like we're all here for the same thing we're all here learning from tutelage of roger mm -hmm. roger taught this dude he did not teach the big rich guy who's sitting at his Malibu mansion right. while he charges people 25 a month for a membership, you know, and he's probably overweight too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? True. So it's like, how, how are you, how are you an owner of a gym? And he's like, oh, well, that was a good investment, you know, and that's not what, you know, God, if people knew. Well, you know? With, your, with your system, the way that you have it, you mentioned hierarchy. With that hierarchy, I imagine it helps people stay accountable. That's right. That's exactly what it is. And people are coming there to be dis like 
to have discipline, not to be disciplined, but to have discipline in their life. In some cases, be disciplined. <laughs> oh, I believe it. And very, you know, not not usually with adults, but because you you're saying you get all kinds of people, all kinds of people, and these are people at their lowest place and at their highest place and everything in between. I yeah, bet. yeah, and that's what combat gyms bring you. I, I imagine high diversity. Yeah, high diversity, all you, walks of life. Do you feel that uh, boxing is something that you fall into? No, I feel it's something you find okay. mm. because I think, you know, another thing when you asked me like what got me into it, blah, yeah. blah, blah, there's also a deep rooted insecurity of like, Hey, I've been in all these fist fights in my life. Cause I was especially in long Island and, uh, you know, being bullied as in middle school, not in high school, high school is different, but still fist fights, still a lot of stuff going on, a lot of drama. Mm totally different here in connecticut than it is in long island i will say well, i'm sure right that's, that's good i guess right uh i think here it's more more bark than it is by yeah <laughs> you're probably right oh uh, but um you know not always because there's a lot of new yorkers here too and you know it's not even to say it's a connecticut thing or not it's really just a per, an individual thing but hmm. um my experience here is indifferent but late in life i said you know what I know I could defend myself against the 90%. That I know. Right. But like besides the problems I was suffering from that I needed a discipline. Um there's also the insecurity of how about like a real fighter? Like what could right. I take on that? And my first coach who I never talk about and probably never will for for other reasons before Roger, you know, he looked like Evander Holyfield and he was like a three-time Golden Gloves champion. Oh, wow. And he was uh, right out of New York. And he was like a, a massive force. And oh, he wow. would just, oh, yeah, I'm going to go light on you, Jay. We're going to go light. And he would just beat the shit out of me every day. And then he'd bring me to other clubs, and they'd beat the shit out of me. We go to New York and we go to Gleason's. They beat the shit out of me. They'd laugh at me coming in. So like you, and then you're, and then you're shaking hands on the way out, right? Yeah. So like you're, you're getting that, that, whatever it is you're looking for, it's you like know, psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah. They're well, trying I mean, to demoralize you before you get in the. Room. I mean, a little bit. You know, I, I, I be careful with that because it, it sounds like then you're trying to boast about what you've been through, and it's like. You know, people have been through way worse. You know, like yeah. like one thing I said to you when I came in, you asked me if I ever did a tournament. And, like, it's crazy to think that out of the amateur bouts I've had, none of them were tournaments because tournaments are usually easy to get in. You oh, know what okay. I mean? But it's not It's not about – it's it's staying in it. Right. You know what I mean? It's not about getting qualified, right? So um, I didn't do much with my career. And even for a guy with, like – what's considered today in 2023 is a good amount of fights, like enough to go pro for sure. But like, that's not how it went. I'm happy it didn't go that way. Cause right. I'd be way more exposed. I had a great, great run. Mm -hmm. No, like only four losses out of, oh, wow. out of that. I never got knocked out. You know, um, I, I always got up, which is, you know, if I took a knee to a body shot, which I'm not even proud of, but I would rise up. I'd never go out. And, yeah. and that's that's another thing that I have in my head that is like mental confidence to do something else. Like I know that I got through this, that, the other, through boxing. Mm. Could have been, you know, crazier for someone that like joined a certain 
infantry unit in the military oh, yeah. or air force or whatever but um that's the route i went and and it led me to learning something to train people an invaluable skill really an invaluable skill that i could pass down right because we don't live forever and you're talking about expression and art in your family and i mean boxing is probably an extremely uh expressive style of of art if you're looking at the body and the human form in martial arts as an art I would say exactly that. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's much more that is exposing or expressing than that. And then right. they call it the sweet science. It's 100%. That's what they art. call boxing? Yeah. The sweet oh, science? The sweet science, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's what we'll title the episode. <laughs> yeah, the sweet I, I, science. I will actually. <laughs> I'm going to put that down that's on my funny. phone. Wow. I, that's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I, before this, I literally know nothing about boxing. Like, you're literally... The only thing I know about boxing, if I told you, is like... You look like you have heavy hands, Chris. Yeah. People say I have heavy <laughs> hands. It's that you say that. But uh, the only thing I really know is like literally Mike Tyson and like uh, Mayweather. Like okay. literally that's all I know. What about Muhammad Ali? Oh, yeah. Well, I see. I completely <laughs> forgot. Like, yeah. And like and that's literally like, you know, obviously Vander Holyfield in the mm. field and like the, the... We talked about it, the... Ear. The ear. Yeah. The, the, you know, just... Just pop culture box. I don't know if you want to call it that, but like, like just all the stuff that's happened in pop culture is really all I know about it. Like, I don't know. I never knew there was so many like styles. Right. Like you were saying before. Right. Is there, what, now what's the difference in the styles though? So I think, well, I, you know, I can't tell you everything about other styles. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but I could tell you the basics, right? Mm-hmm. So Peekaboo is incorporating like a, uh, another style, which is Mexican, right? Okay. They just keep their hands up. They come in, they brawl. They get on the inside, you know. They, like, block all the shots, and then they stay in the pocket. They think they block all the shots, but what's really happening is the hands are up, but the shots are coming through. Right. You know, and that's that's one thing that Midwestern kind of is an all-encompassing style. Mm. Um, going back to, you know, times during civil rights when uh, African-American males were not given the same opportunities against, uh, you know, uh russian oh yeah. uh opponents yeah uh the white heavyweight was was once um favored okay and was given the better you know hotel overseas and and better food and right at you know fight day these things matter and there's thing oh, a lot of deal. things that people don't know about that goes into it so especially you have to cut weight before yeah fight. right so, so, so they're malnourished and they have to find ways to basically dirty box to get that win mm-hmm. and land those points and that's kind of one one basis of that style is is you know find finding things that work in other styles mm-hmm. and going against the things that don't yeah. um you know the slip side style you know from jack johnson's more uh you know it's using more uh footwork mm-hmm. you know uh outside and coming in then going back out so you know all all these styles have something styles make fights mm-hmm. and and in martial arts you never fight your opponent in their style got right? it so uh if you know, Who's a better jujitsu fighter? Who's a better boxer? Well, unless it's prize fighting, that's a stupid question. Right. Because I'm not going to fight uh, a boxer boxing. Right. Right. Exactly and right. I'm not going to fight a, 
uh, jujitsu guy doing jujitsu. Yeah. You know what? The best thing is to take someone out of their comfort zone. You keep think, them keep them standing or keep them on the ground, depending th- on what their weakness is, right? Right, right. You think right. that's why? Sorry, I mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You fine. think that's why Logan Paul's made it so big? Not big, but like he takes. I, I from why I notice he's he takes people out of their element in in. I don't know if he's actually boxing them or. You mean Jake? Jake. You yeah, mean Jake? I, I mean Logan too, but Jake is more doing it. Yeah, more. That's, that's, I yeah. know it was one of them. But what's amazing is that you even picked up on that. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even that goes right over their head, right? He, he, a lot of people look at his business ethics, mm-hmm. but I think what uh, Chris said over here is uh, probably one of the bigger things. Is yeah, he he catches you, right? Really? He yeah. catches you, and that's something that Mayweather was really good at too. He, when he takes the fight, how he does it, coming out, you know, making the guy wait in the I'm going to come out second, yeah. no problem. Hmm. You're going to wait for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. or oh, about to walk. Nope, nope. Oh. <laughs> let, him, <laughs> yeah. let him sit a little longer. Where the fuck is this dude? Okay. Now I got him where I want him. Right. Yeah. Because now he's not thinking about the fight. He's thinking about where the fuck is this dude? Right. So, right. So you already won. Interesting. You know, and yeah. that's how boxing's so mental. Hmm. So mental, super mental. Yeah. The closest I've seen. I, I got to think about that. Yeah. The yeah. Clo- There's the, a lot of elements, layers, I bet. Mm-hmm. The, the closest I've seen someone get Jake Paul so far, not closest, but with the whole fighting, you know, he calls out, he, he's, to me, from what I've noticed, he calls out certain people and everything like that. You ever, I don't know, are you familiar with people? He's probably part of his brand. It's, yeah. And it's uh, Patty the Batty. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He yeah, called, yeah, he called him, him out, yeah. and he goes, and, pa- and Patty goes, "Oh, I'm fighting uh, Saturday. Just give me su- to Sunday. I'll fight you Sunday." I want you to say that again in Patty the Batty's that, accent. Nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I, li- I like the fact that he loses, he gains so much weight. He calls himself well. Other people call him Patty the. He the eats fatty. whatever the hell he wants. Yes, he and, does. And then he just cuts weight, and he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, if you could do it. You know, it's going to take a major, major hit on your system. Yeah. Diabetes, baby. But oh, boy. that's a real you. thing. It'll get you at some It'll point. It'll get you. Yeah. But yeah. in all of his interviews, he's got like a sandwich in one hand and like candy in the other hand. Yeah. Just stuff yeah. in his face. I, I love it. That's yeah, but all- if his body could handle it, you know, if his genetic makeup allows a sugar intake like yeah. that. Hey. Yeah. But that's the closest I've seen to someone, you know, reading to what he's what Jake Paul does. Like, I'll fight you Saturday or Sunday. Instead of, I noticed it's always this back and forth for a while. Hmm. Then they finally fight, you know? Yeah. So another question we were actually we were talking about before, I don't know if, uh, Bill, before you got here, is, is uh, footwork. Yeah. How big is footwork into, the, into boxing in general? Well, since the, you know, the hands catch the feet and not right. the other way around, right? So hmm. um, you, better, you better have good feet. You right. know, and and the thing about it is, when a guy comes in, like we had a kid come in on Thursday, which is yesterday, his first time, and he was so eager. And I said, "What do you think you're going to learn today?" And he said, "I think I'm going to learn something about you know my hands." And I was, I, I, I said, "All right, everyone, stop." There's about six people in the club, and I go, "You stop the whole." I stop the, the whole, whole gym. Yeah. Oh my god! And I go, <laughs> "What?" Is someone's first day, what do you learn? And I go around and, and each person says feet, 
feet 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 everyone knows yeah yeah so i like to make it like that you know as you know where you're where you are now what's your foundation isn't it yeah it is okay see i would think fist i think i would think hands my first i would think what he thought yeah my first day i would that little children what i would think i would never even think i never thought feet into the loo and i were talking about it before what's a common uh footwork exercise you do with your i mean learning to keep uh distance between your two feet and not bring oh. your feet together okay you know so th- i'm not saying that you never do i'm saying that it's fundamentally the most important thing to learn first because it's not natural you don't want to so you won't trip up on your own feet like, yeah in those exactly moments. exactly and mm. you can't be thinking about your feet or the other guys you know? well all your power comes from your hips right correct so if your your feet have to be positioned just right so you can get the most power leverage yeah yeah it's just, that's just like in any martial art right mm. also the way the direction you're going is always gonna um make it so that there's momentum traveling for the opposite side and it all depends I mean? on if they're boxing regular or southpaw yep where their hands are going to be and how to position yourself yeah but you know we try to we try to make it all right this is southpaw this is orthodox hmm. you know you're going to face each other sometimes don't overthink it right. you know so so that your stance is your stance okay a left hand's a left hand a right hand's a right hand yeah it's going to be thrown you know if he's southpaw his left's going to be thrown with a totally different intent sure and you're going to have to be in a totally different place when it's thrown hmm. you know but if you forget all your training because you're fa- facing a southpaw, a lot of these fights in the amateurs, they're so quick. It's nothing like you see on TV, oh, wow. right? Two minutes, three rounds, first 10 fights, you know? So so it's just get out there That's fast. and, and yeah. destroy the guy mm-hmm. with lots of flurries, and, and you got to get points, and these judges have no idea what's going on. Because so, it's happening so fast. I mean... That's giving them too much credit. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, like I said earlier, the LBCs need a, you know, the boxing took a hit in the Olympics, you know? Oh, and, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, you know, stuff about corruption and politics and stuff that, you know, a kid that is basically putting his life on the line, I'm over-exaggerating, but I'm not. mm you know what I mean? I see what you mean. And not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. The least you could do, the least you could do is give him a fair shake. Right. I mean, that's the least you could do, you know? So, so, and, and the coaches that take their time with these kids, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so much, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a head official of the LBC now and I was a failed coach and I don't like this club because he's not failing. So, you know, that jealousy is going to, you know, I'm going to, oh, wow. I, I don't like, I don't like how he wraps his kid's hands. I don't like this. And so I'll, I'll honestly give the people the benefit of the doubt and say, maybe they aren't doing it maliciously. Maybe it's subconscious jealousy and right. stuff like that. Like maybe they really do in their head think that I'm doing something wrong or whatever. Sure. But it's bullshit. It runs deep. Though. It, it runs deep because you got a lot of adults who didn't do what they wanted to do, and right. that's all of life. And they're living vicariously through their students, trying to control it. Yeah, yeah, sure, hmm. sure, sure. Huh. Well, they have a very strong connection with the sport, you know, and then the the connection with the student as well and how it translates to the ring and 
what's fair and what isn't fair. There's there's a a gym that's been in Connecticut for a very long time, and it's in a very bad area. Which which shall not be named. Which shall not be named because I I'm not going to do that. Fair, but yeah. um, you know, and even even you know, it doesn't matter where, what podcast it is. You just don't do that to people. But mm-hmm. yeah. I want to be the bigger guy. But um, that that particular coach, you know, maybe at one point, and he actually uh, mentored me as a judge for uh, USA Boxing at one point. Right, wow. so he taught me a little bit about judging. Um, and I learned a lot of things just through watching people. Yeah. That's part of being a good coach is you observe well. It's part of being yeah. a good actor. That's um, true. Yeah. So, uh, and a good student, right? So, brought a kid down there recently and, you know, Midwestern boxing in Vegas and all these places, like, we clinch. We learn the clinch. Mm. We love the clinch. Yeah. We, it's part of boxing. It's just part of boxing. Like it's not holding. It's it's the clinch, and right. you know, yeah, you break it up. It's still part of it. Like it's you know, what I mean, it's undeniably a part of it. Like, have you seen boxing before? You of know, course, what I mean? yeah, like, it's, it's there, it's right? Essential. Yeah, it's essential. And you know, Sky's been around is a good example of just why Connecticut needs kind of like a facelift when it comes to this sport. Yeah. Um. And my guy is clinching to survive. He's brand new to me to my club where we were brand new at the time. The clinch is a safe space. Basically. It's a safe space. Yeah. And, and, uh, he was in there with a banger who's had like five fights and the kid was, he came in the conversation he was having with his coach was like real dark. Like, okay. so like you go in there and there's, first of all, there's a crackhead outside. <laughs> no surprise. Jumping around. Yeah. Like, Oh, we're here. Yeah. And, uh, I, I went down with my kids to, go watch too so i brought some of the younglings with me oh wow so they could watch what's about to go down right and i wanted them to experience it because to me it's like it was a great opportunity to be like this is what why you're paying what you're paying or your parents are right this is why we exist and i want you to see what else is out there yeah you know what i mean so i'm gonna bring you Mm -hmm. so you could see you know what i mean and you and let me i make i'm not even over exaggerating go down there yourself so like all in one day get out of my car crackhead jumping up and down i'm gonna touch you i'm gonna touch you i'm gonna touch you oh boy and i'm just like thinking to myself i really hope you don't because if you do why is a crackhead hanging outside the boxing right gym? right yeah right so asking to get his ass beat right if he acts up well, anyway should be so so didn't touch me <laughs> good I'm, gl- I'm glad <laughs> so that was the first test so i get inside sake. um became close so we get inside real dark man like just like so you walk in as usual as it's always been but every every you know few weeks throughout a year it must get worse Mm. and i haven't been in years and it was already bad the five years ago i went you could smell right Mm. he has a bathroom in there that's doesn't even have a toilet so you like go it's like you're in like some uh, yeah it's not a hole it's a pipe is it like Japan? So you have to have good Yo, aim. right. Like Japan, you like you got like the pipe. Yeah, but their like, their pipes clean. This clean. Yeah. This ain't. This is a rusty pipe, man. Yeah, it's like the, yeah. It's like the concept where you go if you're to Japan, you you got a metal pipe and you just you shit in the pipe. This yeah, is how you become a good boxer, everyone. And and what's crazy is he lives above it. Oh, he lives above it, and this has been you know forever, and um, I'm already giving away a lot. That's okay. And. Uh, <laughs> 
we go in. He finally comes down. He probably, I guess he has security cameras or maybe he could hear through the Nightingale floors. I don't know. Mm. So we're in there. Comes down. He's got this whole demeanor going on today. All right, man, I want you to get ready. He gets ready, Curtis. All right, Curtis, get ready. Curtis goes in. He's all he's all set. The conversation he was having with the kid that Curtis was sparring, who we just saw lose to a, a coach named Johnny Callis, who has been in Connecticut forever, and he's also a professional referee. Mm. And him and the coach I'm speaking of have known each other forever. And when we saw this kid lose, the coach that I'm speaking of went off on Johnny and Johnny was like, yo, I don't, what's going on with you? You know, but he's always been a little off. So anyway, the kid comes into the gym and he's like, so, uh, why didn't, you know, what happened with your track? And the kid actually, you know, this is a 18 or 19 year old child. Young. Yeah. But not young enough to say what he's about to say. He said it was the other kid, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, wow. I mean, at like, at like, maybe six, I was giving excuses like that. How are you giving? How are you blaming the other kid for your loss at nineteen? Right. Yeah. right? And the coach goes off in a way that he really shouldn't have. Right. Which was also very telling to like, well, no wonder your kid has a bad demeanor. Anyway, when they're sparring, you know, and the clinch happens cause my guy doesn't want to get hit. And that's what he, you know, I didn't even teach him yet to do that, but he was doing that. He's tall. He's lanky. Sure. Uh, he's skinny. And the other guy's kind of short, not a bull, but he was coming at him like a bull. Right. So they're getting caught in Brian, Brian, I just gave his name oh, away. We get it. All right, we edit that get, out. Yeah, he'll, he'll and uh, the coach, the coach goes, "Oh, if if he pushes my guy one more time, you're both out of here, like nuts." And I'm just like, "What?" And and, and this is the sport. Yeah, this is a sport, right? These are and the he's like, "They don't touch. You have no holding. You're teaching wrestling." And I'm like, All right. "This dude's a psychopath." Then then the other the other kid goes yeah don't push me in my motherfucking club so now yeah so the bell goes off and i start getting my guy out and then he goes no no stay for one more round which we do because you're just gonna get your at your kid's ass whooped again right and then i'm gonna bounce and it's gonna make his day even worse than it was when he first walked in which it did after he was like you called it living And we left, and and uh, the other coach, uh, another kid walked in the gym, and he walked in some some tight white kid. I always like to call him that. They're like these. They do a lot of jujitsu and muay thai too. These guys, mm. they like go around. They do it for like a year. They tell everyone they did it, uh, and there's tons of them. They there's few of them in boxing, not as many as in the others, but they still exist. Yeah. And uh, a kid comes in, just starts hitting the bag right off the bat. And the other coach goes, I'm so sick of this fucking shit. He didn't even warm up. And he goes, fuck this. And he runs upstairs. But, like, at this point, should we have that dude in the sport? You know, and it's mm. like, what is the LBC doing about it? Like, right. we know about this. This has been going on hmm. here for over 20 years, and this guy's still here doing what he's doing. Why? 
because he's got political affiliations beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, dude works for New Haven Housing, you know, and that and and that's who he worked for for most of his life till he retired. So, you meet a cast of characters doing this. That's well, for sure. well, because they are characters, just like me. You yeah. know, we're all characters. Mm-hmm. You know, be a coach, a leader, of telling people to go in and die and a lot of us haven't even been sparring or fighting and yeah. you, you gotta be you know something's gotta be wrong with you I see you know you and, mean, yeah. and you gotta be putting on a performance mm-hmm. all the time wow that's pretty crazy yeah it's so interesting to me it's like it's just insane it's a whole nother world yeah. I mean really especially at the level that you're immersed into it some right. people just testing out boxing will never get to to experience everything that you're explaining. But when you really get into it, like you're saying, as a lifestyle, to see wh- how far you can go with it, right? Then you start to probably tap into all these little worlds, like be- wherever you go. Yep. Hmm. So you have all these people coming into the gym. M- maybe they're troubled. It sounds like you have like all of these. Uh, challenge youths and adults and people with trauma and mental illness and then you probably have it like young professionals and just everyday i don't know middle class people or something yep what lessons do you teach them depending on like their disposition if they're coming from a broken family or if they're dealing with a relationship or whatever it is or they're getting bullied what is your approach as a coach um (laughs) i psychological warfare okay (laughs) (laughs) right off the bat right yeah i don't you know i I could care less about teaching you the jab right now i want to know what i'm teaching the jab to right i see what you mean you know what i mean like learning about well i put this bullet in the gun and the gun's just gonna blow back in my face right right so like i need to know what what Mm. this person is capable of and what and what they uh what 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 do, what do you really want to learn this for? You know, are I you learning you this as a lifestyle? You're learning this for the wrong reasons, or mm. you know, I want to also have controls on younger children. Like, you know, until you're a certain age, you should be following some type of guidance. I I I know that it helped me. Yeah, and I know that if I didn't have it, I got it late, and if I didn't have it, it'd be a big problem. You know, um, and I didn't even get it to the amount that I want to give it, not even close. So, um, just a little bit, just a little bit, one, one, the right day and the right talk, you'd be surprised, you know, what could come of it. Because again, if someone doesn't want to change, you're not going to. Yeah. So, so there has to be the initial, I'm ready, you know, I'm ready. The environment that you're in facilitates change it's an open invitation right because you have in in an environment like that where you're pushing yourself challenging yourself taking pain abuse you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that allows them to open up it's very intimate yeah i mean i've even talked to some of these professionals about like hey man i'm tough and i i'm brutal right so yo man you're at this place all right i'm gonna tell you right now for the third time and it will be the last time Wash the fucking wraps. Wash oh, your yeah. fucking wraps. Mm-hmm. Something that's just, it. Something that simple. Yeah. Building discipline. Yep. I um, see. yo, you leave the equipment in the car. It's cold every time you come in. Mold, smell, mildew. Oh. 
yo, man, are you a grown man or are you a fucking child? You're teaching them to be responsible. I mean, but I, don't, I shouldn't have to do that for certain adults, right? Sure. So the thing is, kids get a little bit more leeway, not a lot, because a lot of, you know, my, my, my thing about kids is I was pretty developed mentally by eight years old, I think. Okay. I, you know, I think that who I was fundamentally kind of was starting to, so. You grew up fast. Yeah. I'm hard on myself, so I'm going to be really hard on other people. Okay. And uh, if I see like, you know, you're 12 and you're taking the gum out of your mouth and putting it under something. um, Yeah, I never did that. Right. So like, we're going to have a problem right off there because I did some really bad stuff. But that so, wasn't one of them. That, that wasn't one of them, right? <laughs> so, so like, yeah, if if I have yeah. a talk and it happens again, I'm going to tell your parents I don't think it's working out. Okay. You know, this is, that's our place, you know? And if I also come from the mentality like, wow, that's strict. Like, how do you have any business? Hey, if it doesn't work out, it's not. There's it's, always somebody else. I like to say, no, I like to say Connecticut doesn't deserve it. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, I like to say, like, I tell people that, like, don't be the guy who quits then we go out of business and you're at the bar two years from now oh there's this really good boxer i used to box but yeah there's nowhere now no there's nowhere now because of you motherfucker yeah exactly you know what i mean so the thing is we we try to say like here we are you know come utilize us you know what i'm saying like like learn about it might not be for everybody you know what i mean but learn about it you know support a small business absolutely you know and 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 what we do you know, for these kids and, and even for the community, you know, we're helping in, in, in some cases we're helping a guy who's real aggravated, just get out those aggravations. And then, you know, that matters. Someone needs to do it. And anger management might not be enough. Right. You know, so coming in and being able to really hit something and hit someone and it it does, it does really help. Yeah. Yeah. Having a physical outlet for your inner world is very important in a safe way. In a safe way, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, safety is, you know, paramount in our place. And, you know, we're not throwing people to the wolves and they're going through drills before they spar and all that. Yeah. And they have to really learn. They don't just come in and... And just do it. Yeah. Just throw it straight up. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, I would never... I. I would need a lot of practice. I could definitely tell you. Oh, that. anybody, anybody. So. And there's no, you know, there's no shame to that. Like yeah. there, there's shame to not wanting to fail because someone's embarrassed. So then therefore you'll never grow. That's, that's shameful, yeah. you know, but yeah. I, anything I've ever learned, I did really bad for a very long time till I did it decent. Right. Yeah. And then just decent repetition. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I've been snowboarding most of my life and skiing before that. I'm actually, it's funny, one of my first ever instructors, a guy named Eddie Johnson, I'm seeing, um, who I haven't seen in like 20 years when I go to Okemo in two weeks with some of the club members. And, uh, you know, first thing is I'm I'm still, I'm still a student. Every time. You know, I'd freaking been doing that for a long time. And when you see me compared to some of these guys that live out there, have a house out there and mm-hmm. go all the time, I look like one. Right. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm nothing. You know, I could go down to black, but that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> call your student for, you can call yourself a student for your whole life. And yeah. that's like, I feel like that's one of the best approaches to learning and being open to, to all the new experiences and 
once you shut yourself off to that and you say, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm the best, or whatever, that's when you stop learning. Right. I, that's what I really feel like. Yeah. yeah. You know or that, you start lying to yourself. Oh, boy, that's even worse. Yeah. You know what that that kind of reminds me of? If you're like a student, it kind of reminds me of someone who's gone through, like, say, if you're a, a drinking problem, mm-hmm. you're always an alcoholic. Sure. Yeah. Or, like, you always, you're, you're always, you know, you're, until that, you're, you're, you're always an alcoholic because you're always recovering, right? Until you stop, you know. So that's the, that's what it makes me think of it you every time. Ke- you have to keep up with it, yeah. Of course, like in your mind and your body and your propensity, and have self control and manage your triggers and all of that. Well, it goes back also to that whole, um, you know, the weak thing, because let's say you say you're a master all the time, and then uh, Jeff shows me something when I go back to Vegas, that's totally opposite and contradictory to something I've been teaching. Right. Uh, I thought I was a master. So now I go back in my head to the time that I said I was and claimed to be, but wasn't. And now we start down that process again of, Mm. uh, I'm delusional or bullshit, um, bullshit artist. Right. And that's just something that I've, my whole life that I, you know, my whole life has been all about authenticity, authenticity, mm. authenticity. So, cause I'm that scared of seeing something different within myself. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I strive because at the end of the day, what, what makes someone authentic is that you're continually practicing, that you're not just capping it at a certain point. You know, and and I think that that comes with living the life of lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and I think people who who own a small business could relate because you could apply to almost pretty much everything. Yep, in your whole life, in your life in general. Yeah, you can't so. be a good chef if you don't like food. That's a good yeah. point. You know, it's right. just not going to work out. Look at Anthony Bourdain, right? Yeah, I mean that guy. He loves he loves all the things that bring food and make food what it is culture oh yeah travel things you know when you think about food it's it's different ethnicity ethnicities bringing mm. different um things together from the terrain they have and from the crops they have right so that's why the food in this area is the way it is so you have to like traveling to be very oh, yeah. very good to be like top notch, like a Gordon Ramsay, you have to like to travel. Oh yeah. Otherwise, you're what only getting one or two or three cuisines, or you're getting the cuisine, but not in the authentic location. Right. Some fusion, you mm-hmm. know, of the cuisine or former of the cuisine. It's not the same. And then whatever the style of the food is, and it could be the style of anything, even in, in art or martial art, you get it in its most authentic form when you go to the place that it originated. By and it's being created and developed or cooked by the the people that are native to that dish or whatever it is, or at least learned from the people that created it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That you know that they spent time there. That's the, a thing. They've mastered their art. Yeah. You you have you guys been to Hoodoo Browns in um Danbury? No, I actually okay. haven't. You guys like barbecue? Oh yeah, big yeah. time. Okay, so the the I think they're brothers or they're business partners, but these guys lived in Texas for a while and they brought what they learned back. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's that's it. You that's know, great. and they have the passion. They're there. They're not restaurant tours. You know, maybe one day they will be, but right now it's all about that spot and keeping that spot what it is. And, yeah, you know, I'm adding that to my list of places to stop to oh there yeah. you go yeah so. for sure 
They'd be good to interview. Yeah, oh, that'd be, be fun. a great story. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Going to reach out to them. Yeah. So we had one guy on the show one time. He was uh, a farmer. He like made his own. He had like a, oh, a yeah. barbecue or something like he that. He had. Uh, I'm trying to remember the place. Yeah, he. He he's locally he's, Brist- he's Bristol based. Oh, okay. And I'm looking up the. I'm trying to remember. I, but anyway, uh, it's heavily smokes. Oh, barbecue. That's, oh, okay. He he's cool ba- Bristol based. He he's literally like what we were saying. He's full blown into it. Like he's his mindset is the the truck. Yeah. Like he's after after he's done wherever he's is. Literally stays on the truck for like two hours. He cleans it like to deep the T, yeah. like deep cleans it right there. He also owns, he also owns a farm that he he inherited from, from some from I think it was for his uncle or something like that. And he also has a a, a, a slaughterhouse. Oh wow! So wow, it's a, but he's like it's like his his mindset is just like, it's there. Like you know, like kind of like what your mindset is, it's that right you know just like if it's a, you can tell he's fully into it and you either like find your purpose as you get older or you're like a fucking loser <laughs> yeah like, it's just like i'm sorry to say it like it's yeah just, it's it's real simple you know and i, I don't like to say it so blunt but nah. it, I, you know it's the truth yeah it is the truth and you know some some people are luckier than others but like luck ain't have shit to do with it like you have to yeah. go get it because even those with the luck and connections they had to do something mm-hmm. to make it right you yeah. know that's something i'm learning I'm, i like to read because you learn when you read and i'm uh reading on one of my favorite actors right now i don't know why it took me so long to get the book but um Kiefer sutherland okay and like obviously that dude i mean if anyone has connections in hollywood I mean Shirley Douglas and fucking Donald Sutherland, right? Like oh, yeah. that's that's the son of, right? But like I didn't know about all the trouble he had getting to where he is. I don't know that story. You know? At and all. He, yeah, and he yeah. had ton ton it wasn't easy. You know, it, it comes with its own challenges mm-hmm. because anything to do to succeed at anything, you have to work hard. It's yeah. just that simple. There's no yeah. and that's you ask me what I teach the kids, that's what I teach yeah. them. Okay. That's what I teach him right right in the bat right in the door. We're talking about, you know, stop fucking joking around, man. Stop fucking taking shit as a joke. Stop looking to go home and play Call of Duty, man. Right. You know, I oh, well you think I cuz I'm older, I don't game. You don't know shit, man. Right. You don't know shit. I was you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I used to sit on the game till 3 a.m. Oh, you know, yeah. as a kid, but I used to swim. I used to play lacrosse. Right. I used to do the walks i used to do the runs i used to stay on top of shit yeah i fucked up school a little bit yeah later on i got into drugs a little bit Mm. nothing extremely heavy above cocaine but you know that was one of the other reasons why i got into boxing and it wasn't even that like for instance i was using that shit all the time it was the fact that i was around people i see people that had potential and i was too smart that could get me into trouble because you're around that shit mm-hmm. all the time, not using that shit all the time. So, yeah. um, I see it all the time. Yeah. And when yeah. I, when I lived in Vegas under Roger, like I didn't have no friends. I lived out of a hotel and, uh, I was soaking everything in, but there was still that stupid idiot young moron inside of me 
and I almost got myself in a lot of trouble there too. But that was more innocent, like just wrong place, wrong time, not I doing see. bad. Yeah. But this thing, the truth about wrong place, wrong time is you're still doing bad. Cause why the fuck are you doing that yeah. shit? You know? So, and that's why I was like, Oh, I should do the military. Looking back at it, probably should have probably should have, but I can't say that I regret it because damn, Spreading Rogers legacy, doing yeah. having the club like it does. How it many is people have you helped? Dream. You know? I mean, right now it's not even how many people I helped. It's how many people am I helping at the moment? We sure. have sixty yeah. members, and we cap at seventy five. We've only been in business for you know just over a year. Oh wow! So like. You know, 15 more to go, baby. And like, yeah, obviously, you know, people move, things happen, people mm-hmm. quit. Um, You know, but the way I think of it is like I'm dedicated. These people are my family. Mm. These people are my family, you know, and they make it they make it so I could live my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you everything I know, you know, and it's not it's going to go way beyond boxing. Yeah, that always stuff like that reminds me of what uh, we had a. Uh... I guess our first guest, Daniel Greenwolf. Yep. He's actually, a, he's a professional magician. That's real cool. And, real and, cool. And pretty much, what, it's kind of like the same story, which you were just saying. He uh, as he was just fascinated when he was a kid, like like literally like 10 years old. How could you not be? And, you know? yeah, and yeah. he, uh, his parents would bring him to like these events and he'd be like in awe of everything that's going on. And he, he, he's growing up. He was, you know, of course, he he was told, "Oh, you're never going to become a professional magician, this and that." But the grown-ups that he was that that he became, he, he befriended and everything like that, encouraged him. And it was the surrounding of people that made him the professional magician is not that he is now. You know, it's just like it's your surrounding of people. Yeah, you know, like you're like you were saying, you're around people who are maybe drug addicts or making, you know, doing stupid stuff mm-hmm. or. And at some point you're going to fall into it. Well, I actually, I actually, um, I obviously can't go into too much detail. Um, I could go into the stories, but I actually, uh, had the pleasure of training, um, the, uh, a president of a 1% uh, motorcycle club at one point, like you get a diversity of people in this. Mm. That was one of the diversity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that is, uh, that, that was fun. You know, I bet. Yeah, one he's a one percenter, <laughs> in a different way. Definitely, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah. It was, you know, I was training him out of his clubhouse. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and it was I like yeah, it was crazy. Like it was like uh, you can't even tell people. Like you can't you can't tell them who who you're training because he you know he's he had a whole political thing going on where like they don't even want people to know that he was a president type, you know what I mean? I like that kind mean. so there's like a lot of stuff and the stuff I heard and saw. And yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy, yeah. you know, a pretty crazy experience, man, to say the wow. least, you know, and that was just one of them. You know what I mean? That's, um, you know, and that's a later one, right? That's not even that long ago. That's like within three years, you know? Yeah. yeah. Huh. You've probably had the pleasure of meeting all kinds of people literally yeah wow. everybody dennis rodman mm-hmm. that was fun. i heard he i heard he's you know what story i heard recently from him like it's funny that you brought him up it was who i forgot who like literally i forgot oh it was bert kreischer the comedian okay he's he he ran into him and they went upstairs to have i don't it. know who that is he's oh the show he's okay just uh youtube uh the machine 
Okay. Just then you'll. Oh, you'll, I know the machine. And yeah. He pretty much he goes the he backstory of him. You ever heard of uh, National Lampoon's the 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 college one, the college yeah. movie? Oh yeah. That was based off of him. Okay. And what happened was he took Russian in college. Okay. And he just took it just to do it. And the the, the teacher said he he just fall asleep. He didn't want to show up. And the teacher was like, you need to stay in the class or I don't get paid or something. Whatever story. He goes, you stay and I'll pass you. I'll give you a, a C. And the he, long story short, is they went to Russia. And he he became friends with the mafia in, oh, wow. in there. And all he knew, he was he went to say something to the guy that was watching over them. And he learned, like, oh, hi, my name is so-and-so. And, but he, he turns out he said, my name is The Machine or something like that. You know, he, I clearly, if you listen to this thing, you clearly say it It's better. a really funny bit. It's actually. a lot better than I can say it. And, and they become best friends with them. And like he he follows he they tell him what to do they rob the the train they're on with oh. them it's just like yeah to... he becomes the lap the laptop yeah. for the mafia and he can only say one thing and every time they ask him to do something he just says I am the machine and everyone <laughs> yeah. starts screaming and the teacher's trying to get him away from the mafia but the mafia is telling the teacher to go fuck off <laughs> yeah and it's just ridiculous yeah. story so you have to listen you have to YouTube it you'll, you'll get a much better story how I explained it oh I'll definitely check it out but uh, he. It might have, I think it was him, but he he ran to Dennis Rodman and, and like they they they're catching up and everything like that. Dennis Rodman just gets up and he leaves. He doesn't say goodbye or anything. He just does the Irish goodbye. The next morning, he said that uh, he turned on the news and Dennis Rodman was in North Korea. Oh wow! wow. How crazy! Is like that? he he woke up to the news that, that he was literally like. With Kim Jong Un or whoever his name is over there. Holy moly! So he's like a he's but from what I heard, he, everything's like, like he's he's he of course he seems off, but like he's more smart than what he comes off as. I don't know if that makes sense. What I'm saying. Hmm. Oh, I I don't know if I you know I don't know I I don't know if I'd go as far as calling him dumb or you yeah. know I don't really know. he hasn't done he's done some weird emotional <laughs> okay things right. Yeah. Like when we saw him respond to uh, that, did you watch that when he responded to the whole why is he, you know, why is he friends with Kim and oh they no, were I over haven't there seen and that. he like freaks out and all the basketball players are like, it's okay, Dennis, we're gonna answer this, and he's like, no, you listen to me, and he's having like trouble like getting, you know, so he had, oh, you wow. know, he has overreactions and definitely some anger issues okay. and stuff, yeah. He, there's been stories where he he'd be up for like three days. He'd go to like the strip clubs, and everything. Then he he just go to like basketball practice, just show up, oh, take sure. a you know just take a shower and just sounds like every boxer. Yeah, and then just, then, just, <laughs> then he would just play. Then he would just play this amazing game. Yeah, he's a, a beast, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like I, I heard uh, Phil like Jackson used to get mad. Like he'd he'd like bike in a race like bef- right before a game oh and he'd be pissed off like what are you doing and he'd like, win yeah <laughs> yeah and then he just played but yeah. yeah it was just, like it's these insane stories of he would do these insane things before he was before like a big game where you could get like gnarly like injuries and everything like that and you just play they just show up and just play basketball wow so, so the story goes for me that he face palmed my best friend or one of my good friends faces out of a chair Oh, supposedly wow. his chair 
at the top of Planet Hollywood in that particular okay. bar. And I was in the bathroom, and I come back, and I saw the look on my boy's face who doesn't, like, sit down to no one. So just the fact that that wasn't going into, like, a fist fight or something yeah. already told me, like, well, who's at the chair? You know right. what I mean? So, so <laughs> oh, man. you know, I saw a big figure, you know, in the in the, in the the back, but I didn't really, like, see it up close. So I go up to see who it is, and my reaction, you're, you're going to laugh, but I look straight at him in the eyes. It's not the first time I met anybody famous at all. And uh, I go, you're fucking Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me, like, slow-mo, 100%. Like takes a cig uh, cigar out of his mouth, blows it in my face directly, and goes, "I know who the fuck I am." Wow! And that was his his uh, response, and uh, you know he he had like a smirk on his face from there, and I think he shook my hand or something, and uh, I go back to Andrew, and I go, "Man, it's fucking Dennis Rodman." He goes, "Yeah, I know who the fuck he is. I don't give a shit," and. Uh, I go, yeah, you know, he does He does seem like a fucking asshole. <laughs> so we leave, and, you know, there's tourists everywhere in Vegas. So what mm. we did was on our way out, we go, hey, we just got our autograph from Dennis Rodman. He's doing free signings. You did and, not. Yeah, and we told everybody on our way out, and I'm hoping that, you know, he got real blown up. On that <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen that. to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nah. We should, we should send it to him. Not that he would listen. Man. I'm more I'm more afraid of Kim listening to it. Oh, Kim Jong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's insane that he literally was like in the, in North Korea the next day. Oh, you know what it was? It wasn't Kurt Brook. It was uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Billy man. Corgan. He's great. Yeah. He's awesome. So, yeah. I like him. I like Smashing Pumpkins. Big fan. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, definitely amazing band. Did you see recently? Uh, I don't know how I got into thinking about the Plain White Tees. Have you heard of that band? Yeah. They played uh, Hey There, Delilah. Mm -hmm. And this girl who was, whose name was Delilah, she's like eight years old. She's She was fighting cancer. She is, I assume. I, she's still alive, I assume. I hope so. But Yeah, I hope so, definitely. But she was, it was just, it was just it went viral. And she was, she listened to the song every single day. And somehow he got wind of it. So they sent a video of him. Hey, you know, Delilah, this is so Tom so and so of the Plain White Tees. I'm going to play a song for you. Then he goes in the chords. He goes, "Oh, I got something better." Then he goes off the video. Then you hear the door open and and, and the things. He's right and there. And he walks right in. He starts singing it to her. It's awesome. So that's wow. great. Yeah, it's always great. He was wearing the same shirt. Same, wearing the same shirt in the video. It was just like, it was amazing. I, actually, I got the video on my phone. I'll hmm. show you later on. That's cool. I like that's that kind great. of stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. So. You have a great exactly. business, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to share it with us. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. And, like, uh, what would you say to, like, a prospective student coming into your gym for the first time? Uh, keep an open mind. Um, stick with it, above all. Uh, for You know, the first many times are going to be awkward because you're learning something new. Mm. But, uh, you know, looking back at doing it and making the decision a few years from now you'll be really really happy that you did yeah and it will become a part of you, you very know? nice 
And I'll, I'll also add, uh, how do we get in contact with you if you want uh, to take yeah, part? Yeah, so uh, email us at mambaboxingclub at gmail.com, or you could go to the Instagram is ctboxing, ct for Connecticut. Perfect. It's, got, it's just CT boxing. Yep, just yeah. CT oh, wow. boxing. Nice yeah. and easy, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's when I was talking. I was like, oh, I, I you know, we. A lot of times, that's how I find out about people through Instagram. I go, mm. oh, I never asked him what his actual business was. Like, I figured it was. I always figured it was called CT boxing. Got you. So then I was like, oh, I should ask him. I didn't. Like, I just have that bad habit of asking, not asking. It's all good. So I'm here now. So yeah, I exactly. Appreciate being here. I like to spread the knowledge. It's really about educating the public just on what we are what we do what's good about boxing right you know i learned more than i've ever have today like literally like i've never known so much about boxing that means we did a good job yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's why i like to have like luan or someone because they're like i could be like oh what's your favorite color or like what's yeah what's your favorite color i don't i don't really have one red you're wearing red right yeah just the one i threw on but uh yeah, it's fascinating. There's always something to learn. Yeah. You know? Definitely is. And so. uh, you, I don't want to call you master because you're too humble to be <laughs> called a master, but you, you definitely have a lot of experience that a lot of people could benefit from, uh, from the layman to the professional, I would say. You know, just from sh- you sharing your story from before and on the show. I would hope yeah. so with all the brain cells I had to lose. To <laughs> yeah. <that>. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just the way you come off, too, it's, it, I, I would feel like, that's the type of person I would lead, need to like teach me, or like, or you know I mean like, that's kind of like how you come off is how I would need to learn. I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm mm-hmm. saying it. Hey, that's that's I I hope everybody feels so, that way. Yeah, you yeah. know, you just the way you come off is perfectly how I would I would learn. We're gonna turn you into a prize fighter. Yeah. yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're take, ready. Take me a long time, <laughs> but go. I'll get there. So, you know how to contact me. Yep, definitely. We should make a video of uh, us learning. That'd be great. Going, going through some boxing training, so. Yeah. I do want to swing by and check out the space, though. Please. I'm very interested. Please. Yeah. Please. I'll definitely swing by myself, too. So we'll add that. We'll add uh, Mamba Boxing to I'll get the, some wraps. Yeah. So I could show up and, I don't know. We have wraps. Oh, you do? Yeah. You wash them? No, no. Like, I'm just well, I have wraps that are clean if you want to borrow wraps, so we sell wraps, too. I was just busting your yeah, chops from yeah. earlier. <laughs> yeah, we do wash them, though. <laughs> because people come in and you give them wraps that they don't want to buy them. And that is something that they worry about, quite rightfully so. Right. You know what I mean? We wash them. Okay. <laughs> Even <laughs> though you're just fucking around. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. And actually, we're out. 